Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacob's Well Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswell.com. your thumb with a hammer, you know what happens next. Although your thumb is throbbing, the pain courses throughout the rest of your body. There's this chain reaction, at least it is for me, where your legs start jumping and your chest gets tight and your arms get tight and your face squishes together and your lungs scream out, ah, and your eyes start watering. And it happens because although the pain is directed at this one part of the body, this one part of the body is a part of the rest of the body, and they are interconnected to one another. And so there is a chain reaction from that pain. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, For just as the body is one and has many members or many parts, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says, now, speaking to the church, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, says this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. This past week, as many of you know, the hammer had fallen hard on some of the members of Christ's church here at Jacob's Well. As I mentioned, Everett Bohemier passed away this past week. He was about 18 months old and the son of Craig and Aaron Bohemier and the grandson of Ken and Helen Havner, all of who have attended here at Jacob's Well for many years. And the news of this tragedy sparked a train, chain reaction throughout the body of Christ. We have seen that the scripture is true that if one member suffers, all suffer together. Many of us have wept together, prayed together, grieved together. And so while the primary pain and heartache are felt most deeply by the Boamir and by the Havener family, we are all reeling. We are all hurting very deeply. And so today, this Sunday... We gather to worship God like we do every other Sunday because God is still in control, because God is still good, and because God is still God. But given our community of grieving, I want to take some time for us to cry out to God in prayer and then to hear from God through his word. So let us start by praying together. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, as we come to you in the midst of the pain of the death of a tiny child, we come as finite, limited creatures, limited in our understanding, limited in our vision, 
limited in our capacity. And so we come today, Lord, confessing our limitations and praying that you will help us to rest confidently in your limitless love, in your limitless wisdom, and in your limitless plans. Help us, O oh God, to find comfort in your word. We think of 2 Samuel 12 when the child of David and Bathsheba dies in infancy. David says with such certainty, I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Lord, this is the great hope that you have given to believers, that you care for our children who have died at a young age and in the womb, that you have brought them to a place where we will one day be with them again. Help us in the midst of grieving to rejoice in your gracious care. Lord, today we especially lift up to you the Boamir family. We pray for Craig as he seeks to glorify your name through this tragedy. Continue to give Craig boldness and strength to share with others the hope that he has found in Christ, even in the midst of tragedy. Give him endurance and wisdom and tenderness as he seeks to shepherd his own family well, as they grieve together in the loss of Emmerich and hope together in the certainty of the resurrection. We pray for Aaron. Lord, we know as a mother that her child had a piece of her heart. And now that child is gone. And Lord, while the scar may endure on this side of eternity, we pray, Lord, that you would heal the hole in her heart with your tender and compassionate love. We pray for Emmerich's brother and sister, Aiden and Indy. God, on the days when they remember their brother and are saddened over their loss, that you would, God, we pray by your Holy Spirit, give them the grace to rest in your divine arms of sovereign love. We pray for the grandparents and extended family as they too grieve and in their grief seek to support the Bohemians. God, give them wisdom on when to call, when to visit, and when to give space. Help them to grieve strong and deep with the great hope of the resurrection. Last, Lord, we pray for ourselves as a congregation. We pray that through this tragedy, you, O oh Lord, may be glorified in us and through us as we seek to tenderly love one another, care for one another, and share the hope of the gospel with one another time and time and time again. Help us, God, not to waste our pain, but to use it to show the all-surpassing greatness of our God, who is even more wonderful than life itself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've talked with many of you and agreed with many of you, I know many questions come because of what's happened this week. And I just want to commend to you a book that a dear friend gave to me. It's called Fear Not. And it's written by Ligon Duncan. And uh, the subtitle is Death and the Afterlife from a Christian Perspective. And it walks through what is death and what happens when we die, and what happens when Christ returns. And so if you want to note that down, fear not, you can order it on Amazon. I want to commend it to you. It is a very helpful resource. If you would please open up to John chapter 11. 
Uh, if you do not have a Bible, there should be a red Bible in the seat in front of you, and we will be on page 897 in that red Bible. In the first half of this chapter, um, we read that a man of Bethany named Lazarus was deathly ill. And upon his illness, Lazarus's sister, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus, who is at least two days' journey away. And they send word to him and say, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha very much. When we get to verse 14, we find out that before Jesus arrives, Lazarus dies. And Thomas says words that resonate deeply with all of us today. Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. And so Jesus and the disciples journeyed to Bethany where Lazarus has died. And when Lazarus' sister Martha hears that Jesus and the apostles are on their way, she runs out to meet them. And this is where we pick up the story. So John chapter 11, we will start in verse 18 and read through verse 45. John 11 verse 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, Come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Let's pray. Lord, we come this morning with grieving hearts. And yet, Lord, we know that, as Pastor Jonathan said, while our weeping may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. And so, God, pray that you will help us in the midst of our grieving, in the midst of our weeping, to focus our eyes on the morning when the joy is coming that we may grieve well, that we may grieve deep, that we may grieve strong, but that we may not grieve as those who have no hope. Bless us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Emmerich was an adorable and precious boy, and I knew that firsthand as I got to sit in the hospital room and hold his hand and look into his porcelain face. I kept saying to Craig and Aaron, he is so adorable, even right, just so adorable of a little boy. I know that he was a precious and wonderful little boy by the stories that the grandparents were telling me of how he loved to play with a ball, any ball. He'd go to the apple orchard, he'd point to the apples and say, ball, ball, ball. Every apple was a ball to this boy. Many of you know that the Bomeers had this huge litter of, of puppies and Emmerich would just go lay down in the middle of him and let him crawl all over him. What can be cuter than puppies and a little baby? Probably the most endearing quality of Emmerich that I heard from multiple people, especially the grandparents, is that Emmerich loved to snuggle. He loved to cuddle with grandma and grandpa probably more than any other of the grandkids. Uh, even my daughter who helps out in nursery, she was saying that when Emmerich would come into the nursery, he would sit on her lap and, and they would cuddle together and then he would just fall asleep. You know, when someone dies at what we consider to be too young of an age, we are faced with a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions are honestly some of the same questions that Mary and Martha were probably asking in their own situation. You see, when Mary and Martha sent message to Jesus that Lazarus was ill, it was more or less a prayer request, saying, Jesus, the one that you love, Lazarus, whom you love, is deathly ill. Come and heal him. This was a prayer request from Mary and Martha for Jesus to come and to heal. 
And yet in verse 5, Jesus responds to this prayer request in a very strange way. Verse 5 we read, you can look there. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 5 and verse 6 seem to be an apparent contradiction, don't they? Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus so much that he stayed put for two more days. It appears as if Jesus has said no to their prayer request. And in essence, he has. You know, when Emmerich went into the hospital, I bet you there was close to a million prayer requests petitioned to God to heal this little boy. And yet God's answer was no, at least not this side of the grave. And the question is, why? Why did God not heal Emmerich? Was it because God is distant and does not care about Emmerich? Or about us? Was it because God was unable to heal Emmerich? Death was too big of a force for him to overcome. Was it because God had a devious plan and we are merely pawns in his game? You know, all of these are hard questions. All of these are honest questions. But none of these are questions without a wonderful answer from God's word. I'm so thankful for John 11 because it addresses all of these questions simply through the response of Jesus. And while these answers may not give us all the fine details that we want, it gives us all of the answers that we need to comfort us in God's sovereign plan. And so in the midst of losing Emmerich, I want us together in humility to ask God these questions and to hear the answers from his word. The first question is this. Does God care? Does God care about Emmerich? Does God care about us? Does God care about his family? Before we answer that question, I just need to point out, in John chapter 10, just the chapter before, Jesus says, I and the Father am one. And then in John 14, Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so as we ask the question, does God care? All we have to do is look at Jesus because the heart of God the Father is the heart of Jesus, which is also the heart of the Spirit. And so as we look at Jesus' response, we are looking at God's response. And so the question, does God care? Did God care when Lazarus died? Did God care when Emmerich died? Will God care when we die? In this passage, we read what is the shortest and one of the sweetest verses in the entire English Bible. It is verse 35, which is just two words and simply says, Jesus wept. You could ponder that verse for a long time. And not reach the bottom of the glory of that verse. Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, wept over really an unknown man. As we look at this passage, we we see a little more detail about Jesus weeping. The first is this. 
that our God weeps with us. Verse 28, after Martha is done talking to Jesus, she hurries back home and she tells Mary that Jesus wants to see her, right? The teacher is calling for you. And, and the Jews that are around Mary that are, have come to support her and grieve with her thinks that Mary are, is going to the tomb of Lazarus. And so they follow her, and, but, but to their surprise, they don't end up at the tomb. Instead, they end up at the foot of Jesus. And in verse 32, we read this. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. The King James Version says he groaned in his spirit. He was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The weeping of Jesus was no small matter. In that era, in that time, the Greek culture which permeated throughout the Mediterranean believed that the gods would never show any sort of emotion that they would not show anger, that they would not show pain, that they would not show love or disappointment because emotion was weakness. And yet here is Jesus, God in the flesh, weeping over his creation. You know, Jesus did not have to weep. Jesus did not even have to come into the brokenness of this creation. But Jesus came into the world that we have messed up, into the brokenness that he might weep with us over the devastating effects of sin. You know, many of us have wept this week. Many of us will weep in the weeks to come. And we have this great hope from John chapter 11 that when we weep, we never weep alone. Our God weeps with us. The second thing we see is not only does our God weep with us, but our God weeps over us. Verse 35 again, it says, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. We're told several times throughout chapter 11 that Jesus loved Lazarus. And yet in these verses right here, when it says Jesus wept, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. They never really grasped how deeply Jesus loved Lazarus until they saw Jesus weep over Lazarus. Evidently, Jesus wept in such a way that the Jews that were there with them said, oh my goodness, look how much he loves Lazarus by the way that he was weeping. And so I can guarantee you, it was not a simple teardrop out of the side of his eye. Jesus was weeping to the degree that others looked and said, look how much he loved Lazarus. Jesus wept over Lazarus because he loves Lazarus, because he values Lazarus, because he cherishes Lazarus. You can tell how much someone values another person by their weeping. Let me illustrate this. You know, every night, sadly, on the news, we hear of people dying. Every night we hear this on the news or read it in the newspaper. And we think to ourselves, that is so sad, that is heartbreaking. But then usually a few moments later, we're on to weather or sports, and we never shed a tear. But when someone close to us dies, 
or someone who is close to someone that we're close to dies. We weep because we love them, because we cherish them. Jesus wept over Lazarus because he loves Lazarus. Jesus weeps over Emmerich because he loves Emmerich. Jesus will weep over your death because Jesus loves you. I know this may be hard to believe, but God values human life more than any of us do. God treasures human life more than any of us do. God loves human life more than any of us ever could, and so God weeps over death harder than any of us ever could. God weeps over us as we experience the devastating effects of the fall. And one of the most amazing things about this passage as I look at it is that even though Jesus, this is a spoiler alert, I think you know what's gonna happen. Even though Jesus knows that in just a few days he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, even though Jesus knows this, he still weeps. And I think it is such a wonderful picture of how the Christian should weep. We weep knowing that the resurrection is coming. One more thing about this before I move on to the next point. The Jews were probably surprised at Jesus' weeping because at this point in time, Jesus was a celebrity. Jesus had apostles. Jesus had a large following. Crowds would gather around him. And yet here's this man, Lazarus, who really is not mentioned outside of, of, these, of John chapter 11 and 12. And yet Jesus weeps over this man who is seemingly insignificant to the rest of the world. And again, this is a great reminder to us that you do not have to be a missionary or a pastor or a rich, generous person for God to weep over you. God weeps over all of his children who experience death. And so does God care? I know it's hard to believe, but God cares more than a father and a mother, than a grandma and a grandpa. He cares more for us than a brother and our sister. And we can tell because Jesus weeps, and he weeps with us, and he weeps over us because we are precious to him. The second question, is God able? You know, maybe when Jesus heard Lazarus was dying, Jesus cared about Lazarus. He wept over Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. But there was nothing that, maybe there was nothing Jesus could do. Maybe Jesus couldn't prevent this type of sickness. Maybe he couldn't prevent Lazarus from dying. You know, we ask the same question maybe when we pray for Emmerich, when we have prayed for him. Lord, is, are you able to do this? Is death too strong an enemy for you? As we look at the text, even after Lazarus' death, we see that Mary and Martha still believed that Jesus was able to prevent Lazarus' death. Look with me, verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. This is tremendous faith in the shadow of death. Then skip down to verse 32 and see her sister's response. She's, now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, you see, they believed God was able, they believed Jesus was able to prevent death. Even the strangers there asked the question, verse 37. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And so Mary and Martha and the crowd believed that Jesus would have been able to prevent the death of Lazarus if he was there. But maybe their faith is just wishful thinking. Maybe their faith is ignorant. Maybe they don't really know what they believe. Or maybe they're just, you know, hopeful people. All that is dispelled in verse 38 and 39. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Then Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. Jesus intentionally waited four days because in that time there was a superstition that believed that the spirit of a person hovered over a person for three days trying to re-enter the body. But on the fourth day, when the body started to decompose, the spirit would go away. And so Jesus waited to the fourth day. Verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Could you imagine being there? You could hear a pin drop. All of Jesus' claims and ministry depended on what happened next. Verse 44. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Have you ever asked the question, what would have happened if Lazarus did not come out of the grave? What would have happened if Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, and nothing happened? What would have happened in that time? Surely the apostles and the Jews and Mary and Martha would have said, this guy's a fraud, right? Like he, he may have pulled magic tricks over here and over there, healing the blind and things like that, but, but this guy... He's no Christ. He's no Messiah. He's no Savior. If Lazarus did not come out of the grave, there would be no Christian church today because Jesus would have been exposed as a liar. But Lazarus did come out of the dead because Jesus was able and is able to raise the dead. Jesus proved that he could have kept Lazarus from dying by doing a greater miracle, which was raising Lazarus from the dead. Applying this to our current heartache, was God able to keep Emmerich from dying? Absolutely. Is God able to keep you from dying? Absolutely. John 11 shows us that God is able because Jesus not only prevented Lazarus' death, Jesus actually conquered Lazarus' death by bringing him back from the dead. And so that leads us to this final question and maybe the most important question and maybe the most dangerous question of why. If God loved Emmerich as seen in Jesus' weeping, 
over Lazarus. If God had the power to heal Emmerich as seen in the resurrection of Lazarus, then why did God not spare Emmerich? Why did God not spare Lazarus? Why did they die? Why has God ordained their death? And I say ordained because while we may say Emmerich's death was an accident, it was no accident to God. It was actually ordained by God. Psalm 139 tells us that before we even take our first breath, all our days are written in his book. He knows all of them. In Job 14.5, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, after Job's family dies, he writes that the days of man are determined and the number of his months is with the Lord and the Lord has appointed the limits of our lifespan that we cannot pass. Lazarus' days, Emmerich's days, your days are ordained by God, which leaves us again with the question of why. If God cares about us, if God has the ability to heal us, why has God ordained that we should die? Why has God ordained that Lazarus died? Why has God ordained that Emmerich died? Well, there's two reasons that Jesus gives us here in this passage. The first is for the glory of God. Look at verse 3 with me. So, so the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Skip down to verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? The glory of God is the beauty of God, the majesty of God, the weightiness of God. And Jesus says, Lazarus died so that the Son of God and the Father God may be glorified. God has ordained the death so that others might see the beauty and majesty and awesomeness of our God. And indeed, they would. When Jesus came, when he rolled away the stone and he said, Lazarus came out and Lazarus came out, the glory of God was displayed for all who were there. As they saw the power of God, the healing of God, and the wonder and love of God. Now at first this may seem self-serving to God that God would ordain death for his own glory until we understand that the glory of God is our greatest good. It is the air that our soul breathes and longs for. God ordained Lazarus' death so that God could raise Lazarus from the dead in order to accomplish what this world most needs, a revelation of the glory of God. You know, this may be hard to hear, but there is no greater news in this hour of pain that Emmerich died for the glory of God, to reveal to this world how glorious our God is. Now, you may say, how has that happened? We can see in Lazarus, Lazarus raised from the dead. Every yeah, look at God, it's amazing, right? But how in Emmerich's death is the glory of God Revealed, And there are many ways. I just want to give you a few. The first way that I've seen the glory of God revealed is through the faith of Craig and Aaron. 
who by God's grace grieve with the hope of the resurrection. Through this, they have shown to the world that God is more precious than those that are the most precious ones in our life. Because of God's grace alone, Craig and Aaron have been able to share with the world the greatness of our God. They have been pressed, but not crushed. They have been struck down, but not destroyed. And this reveals the glory of God. The second way I've seen the glory of God come from Emmerich's death is I have never seen our church or the church in Green Bay come together like I have seen over this past week. The outpouring of love and support and prayers shows the glory and beauty of God. And this isn't contained just to our church here at Jake as well, but the church of Green Bay. My daughter came home Sunday afternoon and she said, my friend's church was praying for Emmerich as well. I know other churches were as well. I know churches throughout the U.S. And God was unifying his church to bring glory to himself. I think God also glorifies himself through this tragedy by reminding us of what is important in life. I don't know about you, but I found myself hugging my children a little longer this week talking to them a little sweeter this week, talking about Jesus a little bit more this week. God is glorified even by death. So why has God ordained this tragedy? To glorify himself, but also for the salvation of men, for our believing. Again, this is said throughout the passage. But if you look in verse 14, it says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, And for your sake, I am glad (laughs) that I was not there so that you may believe. Jesus was glad because he knew that through the death of Lazarus, something even greater than preventing Lazarus' death would come about. That they would believe. Now what does he want them to believe? Look at verse 41. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. God always hears you. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus wants us to believe that he is the Son of God sent by the Father into our world for the hope of resurrection. Look back at verse 23 now. Jesus said to her on this, on this topic of believing, death leading to belief, says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then this poignant question, Do you believe this? Jesus was glad for their sake that Lazarus died so it might lead them to believing that he is the son of God in the flesh, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, and that he is the resurrection. And so let me ask you, do you believe? Do you really, really, really believe that this Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago is your hope of resurrection for the rest of eternity? One of the reasons why God ordains death is so that people might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus is the resurrection. 
You know, there's a gentleman here in our church who's going through officer training. And, and if you ever hear his story, his story of how he came to faith in Christ actually starts in the hospital room. His niece had, uh, had an asthma attack, and she was on life support, not too different from Emmerich's story. And, and yet, just a month earlier, this niece, who was just, I think, nine years old, asked and said, hey, uncle, when are you going to trust in Jesus? When are you going to know Jesus? And he kind of brushed it out of his head, thinking that he was a pretty good person. Well, then she came, and she was there, and she was in critical care. And he saw that the, their church pour out love and support. He saw the parents hope in the midst of this tragedy. And through this, he knew that he needed to trust in Christ for his salvation. Maybe today it's your turn. Maybe it's your turn to trust in Christ for your salvation, to trust that he died for our sins and that he is our resurrection. Jesus died for the glory of God. Jesus also died so that many may believe. You know, just one more point on this before we move forward because I just can't. If you look in verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her after raising Lazarus, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God, uh, she would see a partial glory in Lazarus' resurrection, but a full glory when Christ returned, whose glory will fill the earth so much so that there will be no more need for sun or moon because his glory will light everything. And then verse 43 said, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I love it. Commentators point out that Jesus had to say Lazarus because if he simply said, come out, all of the grace would have emptied. This is the power of our God that with a word he creates life and he resurrects life. Let me end with this. Many of you know that the official time of Emmerich's death was early Thursday morning. But what you may not know is that on Monday, the doctors had already shared with Craig and Aaron that after running many tests that his brain was not responding and there was no way he could sustain, sustain life on his own without life support. And so they started making plans to remove life support Monday night. They started preparing themselves emotionally and in other ways. And, uh, and they, they were talking to the hospital staff, and they said, we want, we want Emmerich to be able to donate his organs to other people. And because of that, they said, well, if we do that, then Emmerich will have to stay on life support for a few more days while we find donors that we can transport to them. And so on Wednesday, as I was or Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember what day, but I was in the hallway of the hospital with Craig and I was telling him how proud I was of him for doing this because I knew it elongated their suffering and their pain. But I was praying for him, for endurance for them, and he said something that I will never forget. Craig said this, he said, God did not answer our prayers as we had hoped. But through Emmerich's death, the prayers of others will be answered how they hope. <laughs> Can you think about that? I'll say it to you again. He said, God did not answer our prayers as we had hoped, but through Emmerich's death, the prayers of others will be answered 
how they hoped. And he is exactly right. Craig and Aaron wanted to do all that they could to keep other parents from going through the same pain that they were going through. You see, through the death of this one child, others would live. Friends, this is maybe one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel that we could ever see. You know, I've had many people say to me, I cannot imagine the pain that Craig and Aaron are feeling. And it is true. Most of us cannot. But God the Father can. Because God the Father had one son and only son. And he had ordained that this son would die out of love for the world. That he would be hated by the world, crucified by the world as a payment for our sin. But that is not the end of the story. That the son would rise again from the dead. That we too might experience resurrection from the dead. He died so that we may live. And this book, Fear Not, Ligon Duncan says something that I thought was so timely. He says, if you have lost a child, you can take comfort that your heavenly father knows what it is like to lose a child. He knows what it is like not only to lose a child, but to give a child to be lost for you. It is supremely unwise to look up into his loving eyes and say, my father, you don't know what I'm going through. Because he can look right back at you and say, child, you cannot fathom what I have gone through for you. God the Father knows what it is like to lose a child. He has ordained it so that through his son, salvation may be offered to all who believe that we too may experience the resurrection and it may be said of us as it is said of Lazarus, though he die, yet shall he live. Let's pray. Lord God, we are told by the world that death is just a part of life. And while it is common, we know it is not the way it is supposed to be. Our hearts testify that this is not the way it is supposed to be. And so we are so thankful that you did not leave us in this pain, but that you sent Jesus to take on our sin, to take on our death, and to give us his resurrection. Lord, we look forward to the day when you come again, when there is the resurrection of the dead, where your people will be gathered together in joy and in, in, in sweet fellowship for all eternity. Lord, as we turn to your table, we are reminded, we are reminded of your pain. That at the cross, you did not take your son down. You did not rescue him from his enemies. But that out of great love for us, you left him there. That he might die on our behalf so that we may live forever. And so, Lord, as we take these elements, pray, God, that you will bless them to our hearts. That you will bless them to our souls, Lord. That we will be reminded of how great your love is for us. And how you have ordained all things for our good. Help us to believe. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.